Hey guys, what's going on? It's just after three. Uh, we'll go live in a second. I'm just going to mute myself. Actually, no, I won't mute myself because then someone might come in and uh, think that I'm not live or that something's not working, which happens quite frequently for any of you who um, watch the occasional YouTube videos I'll do. The market right now has my undivided attention. Um, not not looking pretty. I feel like that's been uh, the most repeated phrase so far of 2022. We'll get started in a second. Thank you guys for um, for joining. Uh, Colin is now available for Android users. Uh, originally, it was just available to iPhone users, but obviously, you're going to be um, limiting your listener base considerably. I actually just bought my first Android last month. Not much of a fan, to be honest. Um, there's a ton of proprietary stuff on it. Comes with a bunch of things that I absolutely have no need for. I am a um, I am an Apple purist, but I want to see what the fuss was about. Um, all right, so we'll get started. Uh, no use drowning out in the beginning. Um, so for those of you that are unfamiliar with me, my name is Ryan, also known as Cantor and Clark on Twitter. Um, I've been hosting. Uh, these once a week episodes on Colin. I think Colin is a fantastic platform. Um, the benefit of Colin is that you have the web access, um, the phone application, uh, and all of the um, all of the episodes are recorded. So for those of you that are you know tuning in late um, or want to listen to anything uh, that I've done in the past, those are all archived. So you have um, access to those. So. Obviously, nothing that I say is financial advice. Um, I won't say that this is uh, for entertainment purposes right now because the markets are not very entertaining. Wink, wink. Uh, but I don't want you to take anything that I say from here and um, you know immediately go apply it uh, to your positioning. I'm just providing some color based on how I look at the market. Uh, this is, for the most part, an open discussion. So I know that most people here are here because... Uh, they're interested in crypto markets, and I am primarily a crypto market trader. But uh, I don't want to say that there's anything that's, you know, outside of the realm of um, of possibilities with regard to what we could talk about. I don't want to get into religion. I don't want to get into politics. But I think, obviously, global geopolitics are front and center right now. Um, I want to keep the uh, war talk to a minimum. It's not my area of competence. Uh, I am not... A, um, I've never been a government official. I've never been a general. I've never been an economist. I've never been a leader of a country. So uh, it's not my area of competence. Trading is my area of comp- area of competence. But like I said, there's a lot going on. I'm sure that uh, there's plenty to talk about. All right. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much in the beginning. I do want to open it up uh, because this is a weekly wrap up. And, you know, we were rejected at probably the most significant technical level on the chart. Uh, so just talking about BTC real quick. Um, rejected from 45K. So that 44.5 to 46 region, uh, which goes all the way back to being what ultimately uh, many perceived was the bottom initially going back into December. Um, so we had a nice rounded structure price 
broke down from there. Uh, the first retest, the second retest, you can imagine that there's a good amount of supply because you had, for the most part, when you have some type of bottoming structure or what the market perceives as a bottoming structure, you can imagine that a lot of people got out of stable coins, got re-exposed. Um, and for the most part, with regard to spot positioning, I know myself, I know a lot of people uh, operate under this um, same sort of practice or consideration. There's less um, path dependency, right? You know, there's no path dependency, really. Um, it's up to you how much pain you can take if you're underwater. Whereas leverage positioning, there's path dependency, especially when, you, um, when you're dealing with margin and, and higher leverage. So if December was perceived as a bottom and we saw that, you know, money came off of the sidelines, money came out of stable coins and, and picked up spot BTC, uh, the moment that we broke down the beginning of January, uh, you can imagine that there might have been a lot of underwater spot holders. And when price comes back to that level, uh, it's it's easy to assume or, you know, it's I think it, it's likely to, you know, it's it's, it's OK to assume that. Uh, there are still spot holders that would be happy to get out of break even and, and reevaluate. So we had one, two, three trips to that level. Uh, this looked like possibly the most bullish trip to the level. It was a vertical move to the level, which is never really something that you want to get behind too late. Um, if we were grinding at this resistance, it's a different story. But this is, you know, two days off of the low, right, into 44, 45. Um, and that was it, right? It was one of the biggest moves we've had in a long time. This is on, you know, this is during a period where the next being a method of, you know, people being able to take their, their, you know, their life savings and their wealth outside of a, you know, war-torn environment. This this example actually has been used multiple times, like when people are trying to sell the, you know, um, the value of BTC, right? Oh, you know, you could cross a border with your seed phrase in your head. Well, you know, this is clearly a, a time where um, for a lot of people, there was, you know, Bitcoin served as more than just a speculative trading vehicle. So we had all this narrative into a major level and, you know, it, it was a very positive feeling for the last couple of days, again, because it was um, it was a sort of proof of concept. Right. Uh, but 45K, still 45K. And that's why I was saying, you know, a break of 45K, you're probably going to get behind it late, because if we do have a consolidation or a slight pullback under it and then we do have a break through it, it's, it's more than likely Um if it's bullish, it's not going to give you a significant pullback. So you're probably sitting at a crossroads at 46 and thinking, you know, is this going to pull back uh, or is this, you know, a, a fake out? And at that point, I think that move would have led to a much higher move all the way up to 50 to 52. But that never came. So that was just one hypo. And it's really important to outline these hypos or rather to map these hypos out. And when I say hypo, I mean hypothetical. Um, because until their criteria is triggered, that's all it is, right? It's an idea. But a lot of people, obviously, they want to get, you know, the first seat or potentially the first seat on the ride. Um, and we've never really broken that threshold. Uh, so buying resistance, selling support in crypto, it's crypto canon, right? So it's it's like sacred. It's a sacred rule that you don't buy resistance. You don't sell support. There are 
there are occasions where obviously there's an exception to that rule. But like I said earlier, that, that's so few and far in between. And if you're going to go down that route, it's really nuanced. Uh, there are definitely times where I will buy resistance and I will sell support. But that's usually at that point, the level has been tested multiple times. And I think one of the more important details is that, and I've mentioned this countless times, it's how we move into the level, right? So if we cover you know, a large span of, of, of prices uh, in a short amount of time and we move into a level just like that, you know, rather impulsively, even if the move looks like it has a ton of conviction, usually that's a move that's pretty good to fade. It's the levels that we're consolidating against that might be worth selling in advance um, or buying in advance. But again, that's even that a lot of times uh, can get you into trouble. So it's almost just best practice is to always remember that in this market, just by default, you should never buy resistance and never buy and never sell support. Right. Um, so I think the more one of the more important details of the last 48 hours is that the BTC and S&P, uh, and I'll be charting, I'll, I'll constantly be referencing the ES, so that's the um, uh, E-mini futures contracts, but BTC and the S&P, the correlation has come back where Bitcoin is just following the S&P. So the S&P right now, last night, a, a little bit more extreme, um, was catching a beating, and this was during a, a time where, again, this is a very news-driven environment. Um, apologies guys, I didn't prepare like a script for this, uh, or a, a series of bullet points. Like I did the last few ones, just kind of riffing. But, um, last night, uh, my time last night, um, there was, you know, a barrage of news about, and you can watch this live, which is pretty disgusting. Uh, the battle that was taking place at a nuclear reactor. So equity markets, um, Global equity indices did not uh, appreciate that whatsoever. And we saw basically all correlations go to one for risk assets and um, and the indexes or the indices rather. So we're in that position again. Uh, and today there was just, you know, a ton of volume thrown at this 43, 42, 90 region um, in the S&P, uh, which, is, which is obviously cash session is ending in an hour, but that doesn't mean that uh, the futures market won't uh, continue to lead the way uh, over the weekend. Um, we're not over the weekend, but in the time period, the, sh- the brief amount of time that will be open before we reopen uh, on Sunday again. Um, but I think that BTC is, it is probably going to lead whatever the S&P would ultimately do anyway, if it was open, um, which is, I, you know, something that Arthur, Hayes talked about, you know, crypto is, Bitcoin is like the market's fire alarm. Um, It is the only, you know, real liquid 24-7 market. So uh, in that way, you can imagine that it it reflects overall sentiment, regardless of whether or not equity markets are open or not. And just by that, I mean, in the case that if equity markets were open, um, they would be doing the same thing, right? Crypto would, crypto is ultimately going to take on that role about reflecting overall uh, sentiment or BTC to a degree. I don't want to say that this is like, you know, it's a hundred percent, but you know, cause we do have periods over the weekend where we just kind of go off on our own. But I, I think there's a, a much more pressing matter right now that is taking, uh, taking the lead uh, or rather at the controls. 
Um, so looking at BTC right now, just really quick to go over some levels. Uh, we reaccepted within a gap, and I shared that post. Um, shared that post either earlier this morning or last night. I just retweeted it, so just double check. Uh, but we accepted within the gap below 43. Um, and, you know, we moved up to resistance around 45. We had a very inefficient move up from 37. Uh, and there's pretty much, there's, it almost looks like there is a, or, or was rather, if you just went back to the 24th of February, you could almost imagine that this was just one double distribution if you were looking at like a volume profile or a TPO chart. Uh, and that that middle portion is, is inefficient, right? It's a period where there wasn't much two-way trade. It was very one-sided. Um, it's a gap, right? It's a vacuum. So it's very easy for once price moves, especially in the context of, of us rejecting from higher time frame resistance um, and then equities being heavy and, and us having all this negative, these negative headlines constantly. Um, it was just a very high probability that accepting back within that gap, there's going to be periods where you might bet against that happening. Right. Initially, you'll look to the single prints to act as support in the case that price is going to continue to trend. But as soon as we start accepting back within the gap. So if you look between, you know, your chart around 42.8, maybe 42.9, um, all the way down to kind of where we are right now. If you consider the previous consolidation before this run up, you would just expect that that whole region would get covered. It doesn't really make sense to step in the way there because so many people are going to be stepping out of the way. So it doesn't make sense to try to be a hero and, you know, knife catch in an area that's not very accommodative two-way trade and hadn't been in the past on the way down and on the way up. So I said this, I, and guys, I have such a terrible memory. Um, I actually don't. I remember stuff that's completely unnecessary, <laughs> like a human, human encyclopedia, but can't remember when I said something, when I did something, anything I did yesterday. Um, but uh, I said this was going back to when we broke up that, you know, that 41K, 40 region wasn't going to be an area to sell either way because there wasn't really any kind of, um, let's say, uh, there was really no significant buildup of structure there, right? It was support going back to the middle of February around 41, 42. Um, but that level was completely irrelevant when we moved down, I think it was like 17th or 18th. We moved down from 44 all the way down to 40. Uh, so kind of cut through like a, you know, a, a hot knife through butter. So the level did its job in the past, but more recently, the level hadn't done its job. So again, just an area where price moved very quickly through, you know, that is an area where you wouldn't expect price to do anything but the same in the future. Right? It just, it makes sense to think that way. Um, it was an area where there wasn't too much two-way trade on the way down. Again, there wasn't any real two-way trade on the way up. It was a very, you know, quick move from, you know, within the, the two-day period. Um, and a lot of it was a, you know, a lot of it was helped fueled by a series of short liquidations. So, again, just an imbalance move, no real structure printed. Uh, and just like anything, in, you know, in the physical world, like if you want to have something that's tall and sturdy, you better make sure that the base is built up. Um, so just imagine how a tree is built, right? It has a, you know, the larger it is, the wider its trunk better be, unless it's like bamboo, in which case it's, you know, um, it's, uh, it does a good job regardless really how tall it is. Um, I'm not a, I don't know shit about trees. So I don't even know why I was going to start opening up talking about bamboo and <laughs> like I knew anything about it, but uh, all I know is that it's pain in the ass. It starts growing on your property, right? Um, it's very invasive. So here we are now, we're back at a level. 
right? And that's all I'm going to refer to as, as a level. Uh, I don't think that, you know, this is an area where we can start to look for signs of absorption. Honestly, while I'm doing this, it's difficult to, uh, to you know, to maintain some kind of keen sense for the market. Uh, it looks like every seller that's come in so far on FTX and on Binance is in the money. Um, so we're, I don't think we are nearby any major new positioning that I would say is threatened by price moving up a couple hundred points. Um, so that's really what I would start looking for. I would start looking for where it starts to get a little crowded at the bottom. Um, I mean, the size that's coming in, the size is coming in in terms of aggressive sellers. Uh, that is upwards of like 397, 396, uh, you know, 398. Um, so we're not, we're not that close to a, a major turning point. Uh, I know, you know, it's a hundred points, 200 points away, but they're still in the money. Right. And every time that a short covers, right. So when we see a buyback, um, when we see a buyback from a short covering, there's really not much movement. So you'll see like, uh, 130 BTC covered, 150 BTC covered, 120 BTC covered. Um, so meaning those shorts closing out. Uh, so they're closing out at market for the most part. Um, and when they're closing out and they're buying back, price is just kind of staying still. Uh, the flip side is that as we move down lower, uh, when longs are closing out and we're seeing longs cover, um, not, not, I don't want to say cover cause that, you know, usually is, uh, is when you're talking about some kind of positive outcome, right? They're covering in a good position. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but when longs are getting stopped out uh, or longs are just closing out underwater positions, the book movement from that, which um, is a slippage, if it's easier for you to understand that way, is uh, greater. So you just have to think about it as there's less, um, there is less density in the bid than there is in the ask. Which is not really good because as you move down lower, you want to see that there is not really much interest in selling this passively anymore, right? Um, so that hasn't changed yet. And where we are right now, it is an area that you would say is like a previous composite area high, composite area, um, composite value area high, uh, you know, prior range high. I would rather see things develop around this region because we haven't had an initial kickback yet. So there's no major wick. There's no major response yet. So it looks like if it was an area that was going to turn into support, it's going to take some development. So it's not like something where it's either going to be support right now or it's going to move sideways and you'll have a chance to, to get that. Let me word this correctly. There's no major kickback yet. So I don't think there's a real sense of urgency to, to, redeploy or to make sure you don't miss out on a great dip, right? Um, so there's no major kickback. Uh, if anything, we'll see if this level works out over time. Otherwise, if we're re-accepting below 39, you're just looking at accepting back within a prior range. And then honestly, you're looking back at 37, 36, 35, um, and possibly lower. And, and I say possibly lower because one, Bitcoin, there's nothing, there's nothing abnormal, um, about Bitcoin moving up a lot and then completely retracing the move and taking back more than that. So we have probably a significant stop cluster that's around 37. Uh, and then you have another significant swing low around 35, 34. Those are, I would say, there is some degree of separation between them that is more comfortable than 
in other situations. You know, we have 37.6 and then we have 34.9, just to be a little bit more precise with the levels. Um, so it's not like you're at risk of a major cap, you know, cascading liquidations because there's not a bunch grouped close together. But, you know, that 30, if we flush 38 um, or that 37, 38 region, if we flush that, you know, you could see a move down to 36 very easily, right? So there's not a whole, there's not, I guess, a whole lot of incentive to step in the way yet, put it that way. I mean, if you look at ETH, I think it's a little bit more telling of how shitty things suddenly look. And they change very quickly here, right? And that, that's why you have to be willing to change your mind very quickly because the market moves very quickly uh, and covers a great deal of distance in that time. So ETH looks, I mean, if you look at ETH right now, uh, it kind of looks like, and I'll open it up. Sorry for going on, guys, because again, I didn't really have a, a structure to today's um, call in. Uh, I like to usually like make a couple of bullet points, make sure I don't forget anything. So I don't talk like this where I'm just kind of all over the place, but you know, we're keeping it casual. Um, if you look at each structure right now, when you have these series of lower highs, uh, and it kind of looks like there's a pennant, it looks like a huge bear flag. Now we're breaking down to the down, you know, we're breaking, uh, to the downside almost. So it kind of looks like the May through June 16th structure. Don't look at it if you're holding ETH right now. If you're holding ETH right now and you look at that structure on a chart, you're probably going to want to sell your ETH because it looks like the next target would logically be around. If we were just assuming that the structure is, you know, fractal and there'll be similar play, uh, there'll be similar outcomes from it. You would be looking at a target of 22, right? So anyway, let's open it up. I've been going on too long. So the mark. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, can you hear me? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Hi, Clark. How's it going? How you doing? Yeah, all good. How's you? No complaints. The world's burning. The markets are falling. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a complex uh, time to be invested in the markets at the minute. It sure is. Uh, yeah, so j just a couple of... Um, suppose topics I wanted to touch on um obviously there's lots of of risk on the table at the minute with um with equities you know you have CPI prints uh high inflation's running hot um the Fed have de facto started um tightening uh, obviously they've they've stopped QE so the markets have been reflecting that as well and the S and P doesn't look equities look in a bad place, and and obviously cryptos, you know, further out the the risk curve. So it's likely going to be affected first, and we could see see a, a move in in crypto, and it'll then follow on through the equities. But um, I think the most telling thing in the market at the minute is is metals. I mean, for me, whenever. I'm analyzing charts at the minute. Um, precious metals look as if they're leading every move. So if you go back and sort of um, look at a correlation between between metals and, and equities, the S&P, uh, over the, the last number of weeks, you, you pretty much have a bang on inverse correlation between those. Yeah. Um, I'll trade slightly different than you will. I'll be more of a, a position trader and... I cast out a lot of my crypto holdings. 
uh, quite a while ago and the market's just like in a real dangerous spot at the minute even from a from a technical perspective you know the higher time frame analysis on on bitcoin and ETH, they look as if they have potentially considerable more downside um especially if we get bitcoin down towards those levels of low 30s you know once we start getting acceptance below there then yeah you know it's a, it's a considerable <laughs> drop before we start even reaching any other type of support yeah um, and it, you know it could move pretty quick in the levels as low as you know 20k Yeah, I um, that would be a, a really scary place to enter. I mean, normally, like on based on like lower time frame setups, if I was applying the same logic, I would say like that threshold right below the lows would be a really good area to get involved. But I think um, just in how reflective crypto is, it's really dangerous because that could be a really slippery place to be wrong also. <laughs> Right, if we if we end up coming all the way back down there, but I mean it's amazing how fast the chart changed from just a forty eight hour period, because we were so close to what would have been one of the most obvious technical setups to get behind. Yeah, um, it was it was it was close to a, a break in market structure, but and and it never materialized. But if you fire up a weekly chart now and have a look at you know a weekly Bitcoin or weekly ETH chart. Yeah. Look look at that candle. It's <laughs> Oh, it looks terrible. It looks like the best rejection possible. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it's pretty scary stuff. And just with the position that you have even just the, the macro setup at the minute, I mean, the last time I think you had P ratios as high as what we do at the minute is going back to Japan in the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Where they reached sort of that 60 mark and everybody remembers what happened to that market back then and the market at the minute is pretty much in in the same position the only the only difference is you have inflation which is rampant at the minute so anybody that's invested and non-heads then risk on it's a it's a dangerous place to be at the minute and you still, in my opinion, you still have time to hedge if you haven't hedged and, and look at alternatives. But to have exposure just to the long side in crypto and, and equities is, is a dangerous spot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hedged at the break of 43 again, just my spot holdings, because I'll just have a swing account where I'll just hedge it so that I'm neutral and only exposed to my margin trading accounts, um, which are have minimal exposure, just enough to open up positions. But... I mean, it's, 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 um, what was I going to say? It's, I, it's probably most people like are constantly dwelling on inflation, um, and how much capital that's going to cost them. But it's in a lot of cases for most people, it would probably be the most attractive alternative to just be exposed to that rather than be exposed to anything that is attempting to take an, you know, is attempting to fulfill a narrative about being a hedge against it. You know, it, crypto is not being a hedge against inflation no. at the moment. It hasn't no. done it consistently enough to say that it's worth experimenting on anything that is, you know, if we're talking about people protecting protecting their, their wealth and their, you know, their accumulated life wealth, 
um, it ain't, it's not the place to do it. When you look back and analyze the data on effective hedges during times of high inflation, um, commodities serve as the most consistent inflation hedge, but specifically within commodities, as unattractive as it may be to people that are invested within the crypto space, it's precious metals. And that's yeah. the most consistent hedge to, to to the inflation that we're seeing at the minute when you go back through the data. Um, so for wealth preservation and uh, that that's where, in my opinion, you need to you need to have some some exposure. No, absolutely, that's absolutely right. And I think that most crypto incumbents focus too much on the long side from a speculative standpoint of how crypto does against gold, and it's like, oh, it's you know it's going to be the new digital gold, and it also returns two hundred percent compound annual growth rate. But that doesn't mean anything in this kind of environment. You know, that's that's useless when it's acting like a risk asset. Um, and I think that, you know, this is just markets right now do not look, uh, I mean, if, if you think about how, how well basically told, how well basically spilled the beans as far as what March, March's decision was going to be, uh, which I think is one of the first times in history that that's basically been set early, you know, that we were going to get, we weren't going to get a 50 basis point rate hike or that it was going to be 25, whatever the length was. But the market, the market basically, uh, you know, rallied around the idea that that was a concession that we weren't going to get anything that was, you know, abnormal or not abnormal, but that wasn't already priced in. But now markets clearly that are not rallying or don't have the tailwinds on that, you know, semi good news, um, so I just think it's a really dangerous environment right now, period. I mean, gold is gold looks like it wants to break out into new all-time highs. I mean, we're a few points off of that. Um, oil is at 115. I mean, wheat is ripping. The world is not really looking that good. <laughs> no, it, de- it, de- it definitely is not. I mean, even from... I'm from from Northern Ireland. Uh, we actually spoke on one of your first yeah, I remember. calls. Oh, you remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been on since. This is the first call I've jumped on since. But um, yeah, like even from the, even the local economy uh, over here, you know, the the city centres are completely dead, and they have been like that. Obviously, you had COVID, which ran for a couple of years. Uh, which you know forced people to to stay at home and you know business local businesses to shut down, but things have opened up back now pretty much as normal. The restrictions have gone, but the footfall in in the city centres is is non-existent compared to what it was pre-COVID levels. So you know, I I honestly don't know how some of these businesses are still are still standing and still operating. Yeah, I mean. Where I am, it's like it's not exactly like that, um, but I mean that where I am is not really the best example of the of the global economy and the economies of the United States as a whole, anyway. Yeah, uh, which, yeah. Is, which is which is which is almost a gauge, though, and what and what's happening in the wider markets. You know, if the majority of places are like that, um, 
to me, it's a reflection of what's going on in the wider economy as well. So and things are tight at the minute. So for me, overall analysis right now is there's going to be a lot more pain and risk on. And for me, it's about, you know, wealth preservation at the minute and putting allocating capital in the areas that is going to be a hedge against inflation. So at the minute, I'm pretty much out of crypto yeah. for now. Um, I'm short the S&P. And I'm long precious metals. Like that's my play. It's quite concentrated at the minute, you know. And I can imagine sitting in these positions for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I cashed out a gold position um, last week, and I thought I sold the top, and now we're right back above my my exit. And I'm debating on whether or not I want to build another position. Um, I haven't taken a position in gold in forever. You know, all and almost almost all my time in crypto and it feels kind of, it feels kind of weird actually, you know, it does, it doesn't feel, it's not, it doesn't bother me to the point where I wouldn't get in it. Like I'm some like crypto natives would um, to just go down with the ship with BTC. But I mean, this is, uh, I think before all of the conflict, it was already a very iffy environment. Um, Sam, I agree. 100% and now agree. Is like, this is, I mean, I don't feel like the, I, I don't want to get too into it because I'm not, like, again, this is not my subject, but I don't feel like it's going to get better until it gets a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, and it's you're messing with, with the entire, you know, it, it's, everything is kind of fucked up, I guess that's the best way I can put it. Uh, and there's I don't some, think that it's going to get better soon. There's some data that um, I've seen on geopolitical risks and which is just linked to the the gold market, precious metals market in particular. And the data shows that it's actually only the risk of war which can impact, which, which historically has impacted the price of precious metals, that risk of it happening. But once yeah. it actually happens, it doesn't have any impact on the price. So, um, so the, the the price moving at the minute is more in relation to the yeah, underlying sorry. economy and inflation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so even if the war was to even if we were have a ceasefire, everything was to go back to normal, great. You know, they move out, it wouldn't actually have an impact. So i I agree with what your original statement was in that um the markets were already broken before <laughs> Before this news came out, anyway, and th- this was an- inevitable that it was going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. I think from I, I obviously am um, trade, you know, different than you. I'm a long term trader and could hold positions anywhere from you know three six months up to two three years. And for me, the charts on all precious metals, gold, silver, platinum. They're all amazing spots to enter right now. And I think that they're good spots to enter and hold for, you know, for a number of years. Um, they look strong on higher time frames. They're all breaking out on higher time frames. And there's considerable volume on the breakouts behind behind these as well. And it looks like it's almost at the base of what a parabol- what we would know as a parabolic move in crypto. You know that upward curve that's coming out, the volume that's being brought into yeah. them. So I think they're good. I think they're solid plays at the minute. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, gold 
like the gold quarterly chart is it looks like one of the best technical breakouts and retests. It's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like in crypto, we're used to things being really reflexive and moving at light speed, but this has broken the high, taken its time to consolidate, held the level, and now it looks like it's breaking through that initial high that was put back in, you know, in July, 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, that's no joke. It looks like one of the best technical setups um, and a technical setup on its own obviously doesn't carry too much weight, but a technical setup in like the most long precious metals conducive environment. I mean, it does look like, as you said, it looks like it's setting up for like a parabolic move almost. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> we've been spoiled with the um, velocity of moves that we see in crypto as well. Yeah. <clears throat> However, you know, metals will probably take twice as long to generate right. those those type of moves. You know, we may see, you know, a two times return inside a year on on, on BTC or ETH or whatever it may be, and it'll probably take double that time, probably take two years to get to get that similar return in metals just with the the way the markets are and the, the market caps of them. But I think yeah, I think they're solid plays and technically um everything's aligning with, you know, global macro environment as well for them. So they're, they're a good place to be at the minute. But listen, look, I'm, I'm going to jump off and give somebody else time to have a chat because my kids have just ran into the room here. So uh, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I'm going to have to go before they start uh, screaming the house down. Okay, good man. Cheers, Clark. Catch you later. Take care of yourself. Cheers, bye. All right, Brian. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? How's it going, bro? Um, yeah, not much. Um, wanted to talk about Bitcoin, but you kind of answered some of my questions. Uh, and it just looks depressing. So, uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up something the last caller mentioned about the, uh, about the tightening. So like, I know they're, they're definitely going to raise rates in uh, this month, it seems. Uh, yeah. so I get that, but it seems like people think that, you know, the fed is like already offloading their balance sheet. Um, you know, you can go to the federal reserves website and look at their balance sheet. And to me, it doesn't look like they've really done that at all. I don't think they're offloading the balance sheet yet. I think they're, um, I don't think that that's taking place yet. Yeah. So I've seen people say that and, um, and it seems like people like are assuming, and my thing is like, people are sort of assuming that to be like a foregone conclusion. And I know they've said that, but like, to me, it's like, until I really see signs of that, I, I don't know if I believe them. Because- well, they're, they're just tape right now. They're tapering down their buying, right? Um, but they haven't sold any assets yet. So, yeah. Uh, didn't they say that, like, end of last year, that they they started tapering? Uh, yeah. So it was, like, I think it was $20, $20 billion a month they were tapering down at, at that rate. I'm looking at the chart, and I don't see a taper, to be honest. <laughs> I just don't see uh, it. Where, where are you looking at a chart, though? It might be – is it updated, or is it from, like um, – no, it's it's the the last uh, posting was uh was today, okay. uh, March March fourth. Yeah, I know uh, that they've reduced their they've reduced their buying, so on a month to month basis. Um, I'm looking at the chart going back to like April of last year, and I okay. can even go back. I can even go back further, and it looks like the exact same pattern. It's like okay. it, I I mean maybe like maybe a little bit, but not significant. And I just think that like I don't know. And this is also, they also have a uh, private balance sheet. 
Yeah. Uh, this is the right. only pub- this is the publicly viewable one. Right. So I just think it's interesting. Like, I think it's worth so- something worth watching. I think a lot of people like talk about the QT and they don't really like see, I don't know. I, I just don't really believe like the federal reserve as much. Like I don't really take them at their word as much because they also yeah. told us that inflation was transitory and right. all this other stuff. So it's like, you know, until I see them actually take action, I'm going to be a little bit, you know, hesitant to believe them. But at the same time, like, I'm not saying like, don't believe them because obviously if that starts to happen, then that's going to be really bad for markets. So I, yeah, I, I mean, just think it's something to watch. They're in a tough place every time that they talk because they know that the market is sort of hanging on their word. Um, you know, the concept is obviously don't fade the Fed and that goes in both directions. And a lot of people learn that the hard way this time around. But I mean, you're right about, you know, waiting till the final decision to see what they actually do, because it wouldn't be surprising for the Fed to to pivot um, when it seems like the market has arrived at one consensus and then they end up doing something else. But I don't know. I mean, I you know, clearly, I think we're looking at 25 basis points uh, in March. Um we have a CPI yeah. coming up, I think, on the 10th. Uh, I think FOMC is on, what, the 18th? Um, I mean, as far as, like, offloading their balance sheet, I, I think that that's clearly not on the table right now. Um, I mean, you have the, the ECB, for example, they paused their stimulus exit plan because of the war. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's, it's really – it's it, it's – so it's my guess right now as to what they do, but we'll, we'll find out in in six days exactly uh, exactly what they're they're going to do for this first hike. I don't think it's going to. I don't think they're going to surprise us. I think it's just going to be now twenty five basis points. But it's a really weird environment right now. I mean, it felt like this was all we had to deal with and get accustomed to, and we just kind of roll with the Fed. And now we have what's taking place, uh, you know, in Europe and with Russia and Ukraine. So you have to be, I think you have to just be really defensive right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, I think, I think a 25 basis points rate hike is actually fine. Like, I don't think that's a problem for the market as much because I don't think that's really going to have too much of an impact. I think 50 basis points would be a bit worse. I think that's like a bit aggressive and the market might not like that. And I think if they didn't hike at all, I don't actually think that's bullish. I think that's probably. Oh no, I, I don't. I think it would be the. It would be horrible. Yeah, because at that point you're staring down the barrel of a very serious gun of inflation. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So I think like they have to raise it by 25 basis points, or the market is probably going to look bad. But the same token, it's like 25 basis points isn't going to do anything for inflation. Right. I, that's why um, I think it's like a token taper. They want to like put off the token. illusion that they're doing something, but they're actually, but they don't want to kill the market either. I mean, that's just like speculating, but like, that's what, that's what I would guess just by like following this stuff is, I mean, who knows, but. And then you have to wonder because midterms are coming up this year, like how much of this is going to be, is politically spun or how much of it is going to serve one political party over the other. Um, yeah, it's a, a really really messed up environment right now. I mean, this is not, this is like a headache to trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's like, yeah, the, the politics thing is interesting. Cause like, I, I guess it depends who you talk to, but like, I have a friend who like doesn't follow like markets at all, but he just like is aware that obviously like inflation is bad and like houses cost a lot. And it seems like those type of people like would welcome a recession type thing. Cause they just want inflation to go down. But I don't know how the average person feels and like what, 
you know, what the Fed and the government want to do about that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder if like being on Twitter and being exposed to all this and constantly paying attention to the financial news outlets is uh, just exacerbates the pro- the problem or the perception of the problem. Um, I mean, I feel like I'd rather have a leg up on what's, what's going on either way, but yeah, it's, it's, it's anyone's gamble right now. I mean, I, I, I felt a lot more confident when it was, like I said, when it was just dealing with what the Fed's game plan was going to be. Uh, because they had already jawboned the market up so much. Like, if you look at the two-year, I mean, the move that was put in the two-year is, like, astonishing. So the market already priced in. You know, at this point, the market's priced in 25 basis points, right? So that wasn't exactly going to be, I think, a a significant threat. It was always a matter of, like, how fast they were going to do things. Um, But even Powell said, so, like, for example, Powell, you know, this was, I think, a first – basically alluded to the fact that it was going to be, you know, that it was decided that it would be 25 basis points this March, right? Or, or next week, rather. Um, it's kind of like him spilling the beans, which was nice, right? But then he said something along the lines of, we can hike, I forgot what language he used, but a lot of, um, I guess, more intelligent macro traders perceived it to be hawkish. Like which saying that they plan on hiking and surprising at some point. Which I find interesting because I all I think that's just like posturing, you know. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know why people read into that too much because they they yeah. always want to leave themselves a way out, you know, in any situation. Sure. So sure. like I'm not, so like that's kind of surprising people took it that way. But yeah, I, I agree that like the war, the whole like you know uh, global conflict thing is is uh, a bit of a problem. Like I felt pretty comfortable about what was going to happen, or at least like my positioning for this with you know before this happened with with the Fed. I feel like I had like a grip on that, but now, now with the war, it's like impossible to even know what's going on. Yeah. And, and it's not only impossible to know what's going on because of how the war is affecting traditional markets, but it's also like, there's this curveball thrown in that is systematic risk just with regard to crypto because of crypto's role right now in the narrative and within, you know, how it's being spun in the media um, and, uh, you know, whether or not it's Russia using crypto or whether or not it's sanctions and certain countries being shut off and met, you know, MetaMask yesterday, the MetaMask Venezuela, um, I think it was like an accident, but uh, are you aware of what I'm talking about? The, um, censoring of Venezuelan citizens on MetaMask. Yeah. So my point is the, the issue isn't just with regard to crypto now relating to traditional markets now in this kind of time there just seems like a whole lot more uncertainty i think i know like bitcoin is really living up to its you know purpose uh because this is one of the this is one of the the core purposes of it it's its ability to transmit wealth but i think that that draws negative attention obviously that could be spun in a negative light and you're seeing that done right now by like Senator Warren and, and some others. Yeah, so I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna bring up that. Yeah, <laughs> the biggest clusterfuck right now of things to consider in an asset that's like already super risky. <laughs> yeah, and I only imagine that it was worse like years ago. Like I've only been in the market for like a year and a half, so like, I, I I can only imagine how like you know how like little like uh, support these things were held by when it was more speculative and like less accepted in the mainstream. Because like any little thing, any little regulation thing could have just taken it out. 
Oh yeah, the markets were half as thick, and it moved on a headline. Much, it, yeah, it was much different. I've been in the market now for going on seven years or six years, um, just crypto. But yeah, things are. I mean, it, there's good things and bad things about that. Obviously, now it's like we're highly correlated to you know global markets. Uh, I don't, you know, clearly that's not going to change, especially during times like this. But yeah, I mean, I think that most people are better off being in, I mean, to be honest, are better off being in cash than in crypto or anything right now. So, and even for someone who trades, it's not a, it's, it's an ugly environment to trade. Like it's great for a scalper right now. Like for the last week, it's been awesome for just lower time frame scalping. But I mean, we were just at, you know, a point where I would have told you, hey, I mean, I said, I think I said it like, hey, we could break down here. It's not a resistance I would buy, but I think we're just going to break up anyway. Like if you ask me what I thought was going to happen, I thought we were going to be above 45 by now. And like, you know, 24 hours later, we have like the ugliest looking chart <laughs> that you could possibly have, right? Yeah, so. no, it looks bad. The Bitcoin chart looks bad. I mean. I don't know. I, I was looking at like the derivatives data earlier and I'm not sure like it's really setting up for like a crazy capitulation event, but I guess that could just be driven by spot sellers anyway. So I'm not sure what to make of it and like where this would fall. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any kind of major buildup in open interest. Um, but I think right now, you you know, it's, you always have spot sellers, right? Yeah. So, and there's just, the chances are regardless that you have a ton of liquidity below this low. Um, every time that a level is talked about, like really confidently in advance, like, oh, there's no leverage, there's no, you know, no buildup, uh, we don't have anything to worry about, so sellers are done selling, you know, spot, that's always like bullshit, right? This market, <laughs> this market panics uh, through levels all the time to the upside and to the downside and gets really overextended. So, yeah, I'm, I'm open to any possibilities right now. I mean, I, I don't see a reason why we can't go back down and visit the low 30s. So, yeah, and in that scenario, I think I think alts look like comically bad because like Bitcoin dominance is at like forty three percent, and like with yeah. Bitcoin looking the way it is, it's like it's scary for, to think about what would happen to those in that situation. Oh yeah, and they you know they they go from looking great to looking like death. I mean, you could ask half the market in the last few days, and half the market would have said that we were about to go on like another alt run, right? There was, some old rotation pairs that were beginning to show signs of life. And, you know, I was perking up too. Like I was taking trades in Adam. I was taking trades in Luna and Solana. Um, I mean, I swear FTT looked FT just, it looked great because the level that it was defining was so precise and the, it just, it looked like a bottom was forming. And I would have said, Hey, I mean, it looks like maybe FTT is leading the market and this thing's just, this thing's going to rip up and this level is so cleanly defined. And now here we are. It looks like we're just going back down towards the bottom of that range. So, I mean, we could alt alt can always catch much more of a haircut. You know, there's no there's no like fundamental floor in alts. Like regardless of like who's behind a project and what's kind of become in vogue in the market, that that shit doesn't last. Like it's the no one wants to hold the bag. So right, yeah, no, there's there's people people who get in for much lower on some of these projects who are just willing to sell and they, yeah. they have big bags and, you know, look out below when that happens basically. <laughs> so, yeah. So. so, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. So, uh, yeah, it was all good right, talking man. to you again. Good talk, man.
All right. Does anyone else want to hop on? It's about we're like an hour in. I didn't have a whole lot prepared to talk about because everything is kind of obvious right now. There's not a lot of um, details that stand out that I guess are worth highlighting. There's no major, again, there's, it doesn't look like we have any kind of major offside positioning right now. Um, slight response at 39, but, you know, we had a bunch of, if anything, I would say on Binance, there was just a pretty significant amount of longs that were closed out uh, on the break of 39.5. So I think we had like a thousand BTC longs close out. Um, and, you know, for them to close out and price does not really skip too far down, that's a decent sign that the book is thickening up somewhat. Uh, but the liquidity, for example, that was sitting there dormant, uh, if you look at like a heat map, I don't really like to, to lean on heat maps, but I mean, what's obvious is obvious. What was sitting there is, I don't know, keeps look, it looks like it's just tracking lower. Like it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of demand at this level right now. Um, and I haven't looked at the ES, but the ES is still flirting. I mean, right now it's, it's a weekend but no major response yet by equity indices. I don't know. Maybe this is the level, but like I said, it, it'll definitely, I think it'll be uh, one that develops over a period of, of days. Uh, if you look at the TPO right now, <clears throat> there's just one long tail, but it's not like it's, uh, it's not like it's excess. I mean, we have an excess period from 39.2 down to 38.9. Uh, so when I say access, I'm just talking about one row of single prints. So you just imagine like a wick. So that's a really small buyback right now for a significant drop into a level. And the level that we're at right now, again, is the top side of a previous range. So like a, you know, three or four day composite. Uh, so if we don't find support at 39.5, it's just there's a really high probability that we, we coast on down to 38 and trade to the bottom of that range. And there's a couple, you know, there's a couple other micro ranges and regions below that are not exactly uh, that significant or substantial. So if we're at 38, I don't see why we don't, um, like I said, take out those, take out that pocket of liquidity that's probably hanging out below 37. And these are just obvious swing points on the chart. Um, where I think that you, you could expect there's a good amount of stops. This has nothing to do with like liquidation levels or leverage levels. It's just, you know, the most obvious levels to place a, a trailing stop uh, where you might expect a, a good cluster of liquidity. Does anyone else want to hop on? Oh, so the S&P actually, decent response, but so far no higher high. Just looking at the low time frames. Yeah, FTT looks terrible now. ETH looks terrible now. Um, but mind you, I mean, ETH, for example, put in basically a V reversal on the 27th of that move. It looks more like a V, honestly, when you look from the 28th to where we are now, but upside down. Um, so completely engulf the move up. But technically right now, this swing point is, you know, this is uh, technically support. But I wouldn't bet on that level holding for long. 
I mean, ETH, honestly, like I said, it kind of looks like a pennant or a volatility funnel or a bear flag, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it would look like, you know, that 22, it's like 22 to 24 region would more than likely get visit, visited with just a little bit more pressure on the rest of the market. Uh, there's a couple pairs that are holding up decently against BTC. I think Adam is holding up decently. Um, I don't know anything else offhand. Yeah, I mean, usually when this is always like a temporary thing, right? We're not in a period where there's a whole lot of <clears throat> there's a whole lot of broad market strength or any kind of major rotation taking place. Um, so these brief periods of strength in individual pairs, they are just that. I think they're just brief periods of strength, and it doesn't make sense to expect that or extrapolate too much from this and expect that this is going to be the best pair to hold from here. This could just be the strongest one right now that holds up before, you know, retracing with the rest. So I think it's just a really good time right now to, to be defensive. Um, again, this is not, it's not like, uh, you know, absent any kind of news flow, then I would be more inclined to look at this 39, you know, 39.5, uh, you know, 40K region as, uh, you know, a technical retest of a prior range, prior composite high, and a good area to get involved just kind of by default. Not meaning I would just get involved right here without um, without thinking, but I would be more inclined to be biased on the long side as long as we're sitting above it, even though it's been a, a significant drawdown from, from the high and from the low of the swing point. So we're already, if you were to take like a fib from the low to the high, and we were, we're beyond all significant fibs. Uh, we're beyond the 50% point. But still, that technical level, right around 39.5, I would be looking there and, and be looking for maybe, you know, some kind of long. But right now, it just, I think it's, I don't know, I don't think it's that kind of environment. I think we're always one headline away from 25 points down in, in futures and, you know, 5% down in BTC. Ethan, what's up, man? Let me put you on here. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, yeah, you kind of touched on a lot of things. So I just kind of wanted to, I guess, echo some things that you've said. Um, like, yeah, like the past few days, I've been eyeing the same fractal specifically on ETH, but you could, you know, copy paste it with Bitcoin where like basically from the 24th of February up to this top is the very same as like, um, like June 12th to the top on the 15th. And it yeah. seems like we're on the, like the 18th of June, if you will. Um, so that, I guess, kind of lines up with, I guess, you know, question then for you is um, like this with, you know, January, February closing, we do have like an inside month. And I know last time we talked about like inside days, um, but I've just been kind of pondering like, you know, is this going to be a, a same easy long or short, whichever way it breaks out. But it's also, you know, if this fractal does play out, it pretty much lines up with swiping the, the low, you know, on ETH and Bitcoin uh, for ETH around 2160. So yes. I guess question wise is, do you do inside months set up and play out fairly well? Like, 
I guess, does an inside bar setup play out as well on like a daily, weekly, and monthly level? I mean, I think in this case, you would, I think in this case, you'd be right to assume it would just because, so from the inside month of, uh, so from, what are we looking at? Uh, the price 45, nine ish, and then 40, 34, four, five, three. If you look at the month of February's highs and low. Um, so just bracketing off those as entry areas. I mean, if, if you broke February's low at this point, I mean, you're breaking out of a really obvious range. It's the same. It would be the same play in reverse as if we broke through this 45 region. So yeah, definitely. I don't think you would need the inside day, you know, uh, story to take that trade. It would just be like, okay, this is definitely breaking down towards, you know, at that point, it's definitely breaking down towards 30 and 29 region. Um, I mean, it's funny because you said the fractal for, you know, mentioning the fractal for ETH. When I drew that picture that I drew as a joke yesterday, which is happening right now, <laughs> this is funny because <laughs> every time I've made a joke, like I've probably done this like two to three times, it's always been like the most extreme consideration, but it's funny because Bitcoin, it has taken the most extreme routes before. So it's, uh, if it's possible in one pair, it's, it's, it's going to be with a crypt within a crypto pair where it does something ridiculous like this. But either way, um, when I was looking at, when I was drawing that, I was actually looking at exactly what you're talking about. I was like, eh, this kind of looks like somewhat loosely the situation back, uh, from May to June. Um, right. Exactly. Which is why I'm actually, which is why I'm not unhedging my spot. So if I'm looking for, if we're talking about whether or not like a trade develops at this region right here um, or anything higher, I'm, I, I'm still going to be hedged like this. And I think, I, I mean, I, I, I think now um, because of the rejection and just the heaviness that we're seeing, I think that it's likely that we move lower um, rather than just find support right here. But if we do begin to develop something right here, I mean, I'll look to take as many, you know, intraday trades as possible, but I, I'm still going to be, I don't know, this move, this retracement right now, and just the way things are setting up um, globally and with equity markets now, not just having sort of the elephant in the room being the Fed. Uh, I don't want to be exposed again. I just want to be hedged. So we'd have to, for me to unhedge, I would have to see us, you know, either break the inside day set up inside month uh, or just, you know, the 45k level still the same thing to the upside um or us move much lower and begin to develop something lower after taking out either the 329 lows or going back down to you know the range that we put in from may to um july and i think that where we're sitting right now we're if we looked at our structure more recently this whole range from like january to where we are we're at this point, we're below like the midpoint of the range, I think. So from just a range standpoint, forgetting just a composite, like you're favoring, if you don't find support here, you're favoring the lows of this entire range, which just bring 35 into play, brings 30, you know, the 36, 35, 34, five region into play again. So, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for more downside. I think that honestly, at this point, it looks like, we're, I think it might, it might've been, better to look at ETH more than BTC recently because BTC was showing signs of strength 
it was deviating somewhat from the index correlation briefly, and it had sort of the narrative of finally fulfilling its purpose, um, you know, because of what war environment we're in, right, with Russian, you know, the Russian-Ukraine conflict. But absent that, like what was taking place idiosyncratically for BTC, like ETH did not look nearly as strong. You know, ETH was rejecting much earlier than where BTC was within market structure. Um, so it might be, I don't know, the rest of the market now is look. the rest of the market looks weak, Bitcoin looks weak, and usually that means we're looking for lower prices across the board. Right, yeah, I mean, my focus has been mainly on ETH because it hasn't broken, you know, the like a, it hasn't broken market structure with like a higher high. It's consistently, like Bitcoin's kind of broken out, you know, potential higher high, um, but like ETH, you know, it's not going up as high as, as Bitcoin does. Um, plus like the ETH Bitcoin chart, I don't really focus on that, but a lot of people are pointing out that, you know, I think we're at like 0.07 or something. And, you know, historically that's above average of what we're usually at, like, you know, 04 or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I just uh, kind of sentiment wise, I think ETH has more favorable breakdown scenario, whereas Bitcoin would probably hold up a little better. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that I'm like, I don't know, like trying to sparse together is like, like Adam Mancini, um, he, in his like newsletters and stuff and what he writes, he still favors like an upside breakout. He thinks that this past breakdown, if it does break out, um, is just like a consolidated like bull flag on a high time frame. Um, like he's always open to whatever, you know, but he just plays level to level, but he's still saying that this can be like a, a bull flag to break out upside. And I'm just like always trying to wrap my head around like what narrative or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, Cause I just, it's hard for me to picture things turning around and, you know, the stock market going back to all time highs. So, but I guess to echo that with like crypto, like, if this fractal does play out, if it does play out fully, you know, we swipe the lows, maintain this bottom part, you know, maybe touch it a third time and then go up and start going up into like the, you know, three or 4,000 on ETH, uh, which is, you know, same with Bitcoin then. So I, I'm just, I'm keeping my eyes on both scenarios of this just bottoms out right here and we don't take the lows, but I'm, I see it as like, it's hard for me to picture going up, I guess is my point. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, the only thing is like, um, he sounds like he's looking at it like from a very technical standpoint. I think that a lot of, a lot of this is all driven to, you know, from what's taking place geopolitically. Uh, I think that if we had some kind of tailwinds, whether it's like a positive development between Russia and Ukraine, and I think that's like the only thing I could think of right now. Then maybe we'd mm-hmm. see markets really positively, you know, respond and turn around. But I don't think we're clo- I think we're I don't think we're closer to. Th- I I would have thought a couple of days ago that this is not something that's going to drag on, but it feels like it's actually just beginning. Right. Uh, so I mean, I, this is not an environment where I just want to lean on technicals. I mean, it's very so- easy for this market to move very quickly under these conditions because it's there's like. A, a, 
a really obvious lack of liquidity across the board in all markets. Right. I guess not to put you on the spot or, um, you know, like I'm not going to take a trade off anything you say per se, but just like looking at the ETH chart, I'm trying to figure out if it does break down, like where I enter. Um, it looks like we're basically like the 2609 is a point of control both on like a prior day on the 28th of February, but also just on like a high time frame. I guess thinking out loud, my thoughts are just if we get below this, like fractally, I, I don't know how well that will play out, but like fractally, we could go down like and then up tomorrow. And then Sunday we break down and it's a fake breakdown. And then the real breakdown would be like Monday. But I guess I'm just like trying to know where I would enter for like, not a, not a, like a 10 minute scalp or anything, but like a, you know, intraday or whatever until we hit the, the swing low at like 2160. I, I mean, don't know if you have like any thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, this level right now is not, uh, this is not, I mean, it looks like the level that you're just waiting to break, but it's not the level you want to sell. Um, right. If anything, we have a low volume region that's like right around 25, 50, and, you know, between 25 and 25, 50. Uh, and I would expect that if we, if we broke into that, that you'd probably see a snapback. That's just right around the, the lows of the February 28th and 27th. Um, I think that that would probably offer a pretty quick scalp opportunity. Uh, and then, I mean, after that, we're just accepting back within value of like the one big move we had off of the low, which is down to 23. Um, so if you didn't see a response from, from that 25 region, so like just think 25 flat, um, you're probably going down to 23. Okay. And, I don't see a whole lot of reasoning that we would develop structure between 25 and 25.3. Um, just because it, it's, it's not like it's, it's a pretty elongated day. It wasn't a, it wasn't a balanced day whatsoever. Uh, that's kind of a, a air pocket right there. So if it doesn't happen at 25 or, you know, between 25 and 25.50, then I'd probably start looking down at 23. And then that's like, that's not even considering um, that's considering that we don't make new lows. Right. And we just kind of stall out at January's lows. So until they break though, I, I'm not going to be selling lows. Right. Cause it just, it's very easy for this market to do what it's doing now to the downside and also do that to the upside. Just it's, it catches people off sides at the most obvious levels. Gotcha. If we, if we broke down below 23, I mean, for ETH, you're just going back down to 18, I think. I mean, there's not, there's really nothing below 23. Um, there's really not much structure at all going down to 17, 70, 7, uh, to 18. You know, it's, it's a, it was, my dog is dreaming in the background if you hear it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the first lower time frame trade I would look at is how we respond if we, if we drop into that low volume node around 25. 25, 50, 25. So. Gotcha. So I guess 
So you would you would bet that if we break, you think we go down to like the eighteen hundred level? Because my my target is is either we swipe the lows and it's a quick reaction, or if we do break, we do head at least to like eighteen forty is like my first target, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's reasonable. Um, I mean it's reasonable to expect though that twenty three. You know, 23, 21, depending on what chart you're looking at, you know, what exchange you're looking at, where the lows are put in, it'd be reasonable reasonable to expect that that area would bounce, though, you know, as bad as it would look. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look back at, like, the lows going back to January, we've spent, you know, three months, two 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 and a half months away from there now. If we just, if we came down to it over the course of the next week, be, that'd be pretty one-way trip. And... You'd be you'd be looking at a similar situation as sort of like uh, the twentieth, the twenty first, twenty second of June of last year, where it looked like you know the the worst possible moment for ETH, um, and then it, it went it went on to rally right for the next next week and a half, two weeks. Uh, so I would just expect. I mean, markets are really iffy right now, but I'm I'm still like I don't think it's a market where I want to sell support. If anything, because things are so thin, I don't want to like sell support or start expecting more than support breaking. So we have like three levels between us and 2K, and we'll see how price responds at those levels. I think that it's going to bounce along the way, but I, I do think overall that we come that we're coming down to the low twos. I mean, it just yeah. looks like it's setting up for that right now. I don't see any reason for the market. Like, for example, my point is that, like, if we if we break down from here, there's a there's probably some lower time frame trades. Yeah, at 25, 2550, and then 23. But I think that chances are, if we're down there, that it's likely that we revisit the January lows. I don't think I don't see a reason why we would stop. Gotcha, gotcha. And I guess last question, um, then I'll let someone else kind of hop on here. But um, you said you used to trade like crude oil and stuff. Um, you know, it's looks like it's at like 115 right now. Um, I guess if it does go this high um, to like pr- prior all time high at like 147, 150, and does like a, if it does top out there at like a swing failure, would you, I mean, this is just me not knowing, but is this just like, would it, would like a swing failure up there be a sign that, you know, all hell's breaking loose and commodities are crashing, stock markets crashing like it did in starting July 08? I guess I haven't done as much research or anything on what that looks like. I mean, if we came all the way up there, I hope that, I mean, that would be horrible if we were back at 140, 150, you know, if we're... If we're back at 140, that's that means like things probably got horribly worse. Um, but we're not too far away, obviously. But it, it, I mean, if we came up there and we're moving the way we're moving right now, um, I would probably look to get on the other side of that trade, honestly. Right, you, like you'd fade that that swing. Yeah, because it's it's yeah. such a there's no levels beyond. It's like the most well defined level on the chart. Right. Um, you know, it would be like sort of how we revisited it December 08 uh, in 2014, 2015, or 2015, um, where it looks like, you know, that's the, the biggest pivot on the chart in the last decade. 
uh, and price takes it out. Uh, and then we go on to rally for the next four, you know, to the next four or five years. The, obviously, oil is not just, the, this is all dependent on what's taking place globally. But I mean, either way, I think that if oil's, if oil's up there, there's a trade, but it probably means that things around you are in pretty bad condition. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking, it looks like like the, uh, the S&P, it was already in a downtrend, but that's when it you know started going was in June, July of 08, and that's when oil peaked. So I guess is that like, like, like you could just maybe use that as like a, like that's an oh shit, the market's breaking. And if oil starts heading lower, just know that shit's hitting the fan and <laughs> short everything then. So. Uh, I mean, if, if you look at, Crude. Let me just do an overlay real quick. Um, so that was in, was that in November? Hold on. Yeah, so that Sorry. was, no, that was. I'm April. just looking at. That was April. Yeah, that was right before the S&P dropped from 15 all the way down to like 700 over the course of just under a year, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, that my point is like, I, I think there's a good technical trade up there if that happens, but if that happens, like it implies that everything around you is going to shit anyway, right. uh, that yeah, markets are probably in a free fall at that point. Right. But I, yeah, I, I guess the way things look like right now, I think the further up oil goes, the markets are just already going to be moving down either way. I mean, at that, at that point you're skipping down, but. Right. Yeah, I, I guess my main point is, is if we do get that high on oil and it does, you know, go up and then start going down, that would be a moment to basically just, um, you know, take a trade on it, but also just know that shit's going to get a lot worse. And that's when you just short something that's already beat. Like, like if the stock market's down at like, you know, 3,800 to short it anyway, because it's going to go down even more because oil's peaking type thing. Is my yeah. thoughts. But in, in 2008, that was also different context. Also, you had the housing crisis. We had a recession, yeah. you know, so a little different, but no matter what, like the price of oil being high affects everything. So right. the world works better when it's, when it's lower. I mean, I hope that we don't get there, but we'll see. I mean, I honestly have no, I don't have really much conviction about anything right now. I'm very wishy-washy because it's just, uh, like I said, I mean, I felt like we were just all starting to get comfortable with dealing with the Fed and, and this change in monetary policy and, and change in what their, what their intentions were over the next year and trying to figure out, like, based on their language and based on what we were seeing, what to expect with regard to the pace of hikes or what kind of hikes we were going to get, whether we're getting four hikes or six hikes or nine hikes. And now it's like, there's something else that's completely front and center. So this is a uh, throwing me for a loop. I am I'm very defensive right now. Like I said, I'm not exposed to crypto. I'm hedged complete. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to like sell my spot BTC that I reaccumulated, uh, but I am hedged. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely preserve versus, you know, make money type situation. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. be in cash and lose six to seven percent 
due to inflation than be exposed to a quote unquote tail hedge and and um, inflation hedge that ends up dropping twenty percent a week anyway. <laughs> right. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Yeah, I'll hop off, and if anyone else wants to hop on, go for it. But, yeah, cool. thanks, Ryan. Good, good talking to you, Ethan. All right, guys, does anyone else want to hop on? We're about an hour and a half in. If not, I'm going to hop off. I actually have a banging headache. My head is, like, on fire. Not sure if I – yeah, I don't know. What I noticed recently is if I have sushi, and I think I've isolated it down to soy sauce, it gives me a headache, but it could be something else. Who knows? The world's falling apart, so – does anyone else want to hop on? If not, we'll wrap it up and do another one next week. And I'll actually do another one on Monday. So we won't wait until the middle of the week or the end of the week. We'll do one sooner. And this time I'll prepare some points. The last three that I did or last two that I did, you know, I made a bunch of bullet points rattled them off in the beginning there was sort of, an, of an you know an agenda um but today i just wanted to hop on and, and leave it open i think everyone's kind of in the same boat of uncertainty uh and yeah i just had um i just had uh my contractor guys coming over and installing a bunch of stuff again so just want to hop on here though give my thoughts give you guys a chance to ask questions interact all that good stuff but I guess we'll wrap it up. No one else is hopping in. I appreciate you guys joining. Uh, we'll do another one on Monday, and I think we'll just keep it at the same time. All right, so 3 p.m. on Monday. Uh, I'll share the link on Sunday. And, yeah, hopefully nothing terrible happens before then. I'm not, like, a fatalist whatsoever. I mean, this is just, you know, this is a – pretty unprecedented time uh for anyone who's been trading markets for like the last 10 years definitely five years definitely 10 years still definitely uh you'd have to go like 15 20 years out to really start to bring up some memories of volatility like this and even then it was under different circumstances i would honestly rather a housing crisis i mean it sounds terrible um (laughs) then I'd honestly rather the big short plot than the plot where we have, you know, uh, world leader dick measuring contest taking place with, you know, young men being used as cannon fodder to, you know, chess pieces to get points across. So it's just a, it's a crappy time. And I think <clears throat> I'm thinking about it more because uh, my contractors were all from Ukraine And uh, I just can't imagine what they're thinking right now because, you know, they have all their families over there. And it's like whether you're Russian, Ukraine, uh, no one's, you know, both sides are getting royally screwed over right now in one form or another. Um, And not not I don't mean I'm not trying to put that lightly by using that language royally screwed over because people are losing their lives. But it's just, you know, it's not a good look right now. Put it that way. Uh, So thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate it. Again, Monday, I'll go live again at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this will be posted uh, within the next few hours. So for anyone who's late, 
you'll be able to listen to it. All right, guys. Have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you soon.